This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery... Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Star Diary, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings listeners and welcome to Star Diary, a weekly guide to the best things to see in the Northern Hemisphere's night sky. As we are based here in the UK, all times are in GMT. In this episode, we'll be covering the coming week from the 9th to the 15th of January. I'm Ezzy Pearson, the magazine's features editor, and I'm joined on the podcast today by Reviews Editor Paul Money. Hello, Paul. Hello, Ezzy. Another interesting week, and of course, a look forward to what's happening the rest of the year as well. Yeah, I'm really excited to hear it. So come on, Paul, tell us what's coming up this week and beyond. Well, this week, our moon now lies in the morning sky. So if you like to watch things like the winter constellations, the winter stars, Orion, Taurus. And don't forget in Taurus, you've got Mars lingering there as well. So we are really bright. And just out of amount of interest, compare the red colour of Mars with Aldebaran. Aldebaran is an orangey red star. So you just compare the two colours whilst Mars is in the vicinity. You've got things like Auriga. And of course, at the moment, the brightest star in the night sky and I do emphasise the night sky because I once said in the sky and somebody pointed out the sun was the brightest one. We have Sirius. So there's a lot to be seen. And of course, there's lots of details of what to see in the deep sky with binoculars and telescopes in the January issue sky guide as well. So we really ought to use that as a reference. However, I mentioned the moon. Yes, it's in the morning sky. It lies near to Regulus, Alpha Leonis, on the 10th and the 11th. So it's effectively either side, really, as it moves past it. Then Porima, uh, which is Gamma Virginis, on the 13th and Spiker on the 14th. So they're in the pre-dawn sky. And I do like these encounters with stars sort of thing because people do notice them. They always say, what's that star next to the moon? So, you know, we can tell them. Just check the uh, Star Diary podcast or go online and check the magazine website. Now, Mars 
reaches what we call a stationary point on the 12th. Now, up until now, it's been moving west against the background stars. But after this, it, re it takes over and does what we call normal prograde motion. So therefore, it's the normal motion and therefore it's moving towards the east. So it looks strange and it must have been really weird to the ancients to see a planet, which means wandering star, it comes to a halt, stops. I mean, what's going on there? Who's pulled on the brakes there? And then it starts moving the opposite direction again. So obviously, we always have this happening. This particular station point always occurs after opposition. So, of course, opposition was on December the 8th sort of thing. So we're well past that now. We're a month past that. So <clears throat> by the time we get into the second week of January, say around about the 12th, it reaches this stationary point. And I say it's in Taurus as well. So that's where you want to compare it with Aldebaran. Now, looking ahead, Mars actually is one of those that it keeps ahead of the sun. Its motion keeps it longer in the sky. So we actually keep it right up until July and then it will be lost in the evening twilight. In early July, we'll have a chance for it to see it close to Venus. So that's worth looking at. They won't have a conjunction. They won't be very close, but they'll be a few degrees apart sort of thing. So as far as I'm concerned, close enough that you should notice them in the twilight sky. After that, it'll actually move into the morning sky sort of thing, but is very low in the twilight. So I don't think we'll be seeing Mars after that. So the first half of the year, certainly into July, that's when we'll keep Mars. So we will have had Mars for a long time in our sky, most of 2022 and now at least half of 2023 as well. Meanwhile, Saturn lies low in the evening sky and after January, to be fair, it will be lost as it reaches conjunction in February on the 16th with the sun. So, you know, that's it. It's gone. It takes a while to emerge, even though it emerges in March, but it's very poorly placed. And the problem with March, because the, the nights are slowly beginning lighter. And so we find it sort of struggles against that. So it's really about Saturn about late July onwards that it'll start to really become more prominent. Opposition in August, August the 27th, and after that, it's in the evening sky. So it's more of a, a second half of the year planet at the moment, but it is very slowly, for us astrophotographers and planetary images, it is slowly creeping up the ecliptic. It, it, it takes its time. You know, it does have an orbit of 29 years, <laughs> so it takes its time, sort of thing, but it is improving. We have gone through a couple of years where the planets haven't been particularly well placed. So are they are they slowly improving and getting better across the board? Yes, they are. I mean, Jupiter's really improved. I mean, I remember about just two years ago, we were moaning about Jupiter being fairly close to Saturn. So I think it was around about 2020 when they were quite close to Saturn. And uh, they were in Sagittarius and they were at the lowest they could be. So they were awful because we're, from our latitude, we're looking through a thicker part of the atmosphere. So it makes the image mushier. So it's harder to see detail. But Jupiter, of course, has an orbital period of 12 years. So it's racing up the ecliptic now. So it's become really well placed to observe and in a high position in the sky. So astrophotographers are getting some great pictures of Jupiter now. Um, in the case of the other planet, I say Saturn, it's crawling, but it is with each progress. The good news is each year it's going to improve and it's going to get better. It just takes a lot longer, nearly twice as long as Jupiter. Um, Neptune and Uranus are quite high up 
actually in the uh, along the ecliptic. So in actual fact, they are quite decently placed. Neptune lies in the evening sky, but will be lost by February. And again, because it's a faint planet, really needs binoculars as such or a small telescope. Um, you you're not going to really pick it up until just before, say, late July into August with opposition in September. And then after that, it's in the evening sky as well. So again, it's more of an evening planet for the latter half of the year. Jupiter, we mentioned, so that it's good to view in the evening until about late March, then moves into the morning sky. It does actually reappear quite, like Venus, it's bright, so it reappears quite quickly. Its opposition is November, so again, it's taken a time, but uh, so it'll be a morning sky. So it's, it's gradually getting to be more of a, a, a late winter spring sky planet. Uh, with Jupiter, but it is improving because it's getting higher in the sky. Uranus, well, it's with us until around mid-April in the evening sky and then conjunction with the sun in May. So after that, you have to wait always until about July time with the opposition in November for it to become well-placed to view. And although it's not as spectacular, we actually do have a partial lunar eclipse and that's on October the 28th. Now, <laughs> it really is partial. <laughs> I watched one, Lorraine and I set up, this is many years ago, I had a review telescope, it was a Vixen review telescope, and we had one, I think it was around the, the early, sort of mid-2000s, early 2010s, and we we set off because it was rising in the evening, it, just going in, and it was a little tiny piece, but the excitement as it rose was it, it was it was silly really for such a tiny percentage sort of thing. So you know, I I still get excited for that sort of thing. It'll be lovely to see it actually in the sky as it goes through, but it is a small one. <laughs> I will say this is for our listeners who are in the UK. We actually have a lot of listeners over in the US, and you're going to have a bit more luck with eclipses this year. Um, on the fourteenth of October, there's going to be what's called an annular solar eclipse. This is where there's a very thin ring of sunlight that's still visible around the outside of the ring. Um, I've never actually seen one, which I, I think that must be a very different experience to seeing a total solar eclipse, because I don't think you can see the corona um, like you can during a total solar eclipse. But it's still a very amazing thing to see, and I'm sure there'll be lots of people going to, to experience that one, because it's going to go right the way across the country, like the one back in 2017 did. Um, so that's going to be super interesting. There's also a total solar eclipse on the 20th of April, but uh, that's going to be visible from one very, very tiny corner from Australia, I think, is, is probably <laughs> the only place where we have listeners that are going to be able to see it. Um, hey, sounds like another holiday to me, both to America and to <laughs> Australia. I need to raise more money. The annual eclipse is on my bucket list because I've seen a, a total solar eclipse several times because um, I, I, I did various trips for them. But an annual one is on my bucket list because that's the one I haven't seen. And I, I, I gather it's just a, a, a spectacular, but you're right. You don't get the corona because you've still got this bright ring around it. But yes, I, I would still love to see something like that. I would, you know, on my bucket list. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's like the yes. green flash, you know, I've not seen that. That's another one on my list sort of thing. I, I must see the green flash. I'm getting envious. I've had a lot of friends say, Oh yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> That one, you kind of have to get a bit lucky, though, I think. That's just, you oh, have yeah. to be looking in the right place at the right time, and you can't really control when that's going to happen. Um, not that you can control anything in the night sky, but you can at least know when it's coming. <laughs> exactly. 
Well, as it, that's the end of that roundup for the year and uh, for this week's observations. So, um, you know, I hope people get a chance to see them, don't you? It certainly sounds like there's a lot of great things that are going to be visible throughout the year. Uh, we will, of course, be covering them in our the magazine, Sky Night magazine. So do be sure to subscribe to the magazine if you want to make sure that you're not going to miss out on any of the big events that are happening throughout the year and get your monthly Sky Guides delivered straight to your door. For this week, however... We've got, uh, it's going to be a great week to see the winter constellations in the evening sky as the moon is going to be right out of the way. Um, It's also a great opportunity because Mars is going to be in Taurus. Maybe compare it to the other red star, Aldebaran. That's always a great thing to do. The moon's going to be next to several bright stars throughout the week. So keep an eye on that one. And then on the 12th of January, Mars is going to reach what's known as its stationary point, um, where it appears to change direction that it's moving across the night sky. So certainly a lot of things to look forward to, not just this week, but going forward through the rest of the year. So thank you very much, Paul, for taking us through them all. My pleasure. If you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky throughout the month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets, or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes, or neither, our sky guide has got you covered, with the detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify. 